I'd always been pretty good in school, but I started to get really good in school, like really focused in, even though as soon as I stepped out of the school, it was time to smoke. It was time to shut all that crap off and turn on this whole different life. And I really balance, right? Yeah, balance. In weird ways, like being Hannah Montana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Pickles and Vodka, the unfiltered mental health podcast where we talk about the things that we don't want to talk about in real life because they're just too damn depressing. <laughs> I laugh, but like that's honestly how I feel right now. Um, today hasn't been a good day. My anxiety is telling me that I need to go out and get shit done, but my depression is keeping me from doing them and it just all combines to form this sick straight jacket that I've locked myself into. Like, I think it's just hitting me how debilitating my mental illness is because today I literally felt like I had no options and why even try if I was going to fail. I just felt crushed by loneliness and I, I felt like even though I know I have a lot of people that love me, I felt like I couldn't call them to ask for help because that would be selfish. and you know, it's not even that bad anyway. And like, what could they even tell me that would help? Because um, when it comes down to it, I feel like th this is who I am at my core. I'm just a broken person and nothing will ever fix me. And, you know, I can work really hard to get my eating disorder under, under control, to get my addictions under control, to get my self-harm under control, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, I feel like I'm going to need something. I have the fear that I can be doing everything right and still want to die and just not find any happiness out of anything. And that's just such a terrifying thought. Even this podcast, it gets really hard for me to do when I'm feeling this way, even though the nature of it is to talk about these uncomfortable feelings. Um, I was supposed to have an interview with a guest earlier today and I had to cancel because my depression was just too much. I, I couldn't get the words out. I could barely get off my couch, or not, let alone talk to someone about their mental health like it's just I can't I think that's the thing like I know I can't do things because of my depression but like whenever I tell other people I can't do them I feel like I need an excuse like quote unquote just being depressed isn't enough I feel like I need a legitimate excuse and that that invalidating myself just doesn't help things um I know I'm always telling other people to ask for help but it's really fucking hard when it's me even now, I, I feel like silly for saying this on the podcast. I feel like I've never been this helpless before. I've never been this unmotivated before. I've never, I, I don't know. I feel like everything's going pretty well for me right now, but I'm more stuck than ever. And without any of my old coping mechanisms to fall back on, I'm feeling all these very powerful, very scary emotions and I'm trying to sit with them and recognize that they will pass, but it's really hard when it feels like like I can't breathe because of them. I feel like if I don't do something about them, they will actually kill me. So I just took some anxiety meds, feeling a little bit more calm now, but the last few hours have been really rough. I went outside to go on a walk because that usually helps me, but once I got out there, I was just so self-conscious of my bare legs because it was it's hot out, so I was wearing shorts, and I felt like everyone was staring at me, and I, f I felt like no matter how far I walked, it wouldn't make a difference because I would ha just have to come back here eventually, and I really don't like feeling like this. I feel out of control. I feel weak. I think it's hitting me that I am disabled. Like, this is an illness that I have. This depression, this anxiety, this eating disorder, these addictions, it's, it's all part of my mental illness. And, you know, people with illnesses are allowed to ask for help. They're allowed to sit back and let someone else do the work every once in a while. But I just have such a hard time allowing myself that quote unquote luxury 
one of my friends yesterday was brought up the point that I've only been out of treatment for a week and already the weight of all my responsibilities is just crashing down on me and I'm giving myself such a hard time for for feeling this way for feeling stuck for not doing things but I have to remind myself that just a week ago I was surrounded by peers and counselors 10 hours a day and before that it was 24 hours a day and so of course I'm doing this alone for the first time in two months and it's just really fucking hard it's going to be a long time before I'm okay again and in the meantime the prospect of doing normal things like getting a job and taking care of myself and having relationships like it just seems so impossible but I'm trying to remind myself that this is growth even just talking about this on here just acknowledging that I'm sick and that I need help like I don't know if I would have felt that in the same way two months ago I know this is kind of heavy and I am really excited about today's episode but before I would jump into that I just wanted to take a moment to be honest about what I'm feeling because even on this podcast I don't I'm not as honest as I could be and I owe that to you guys and to myself because I know I'm not the only one that feels this way especially with the events over the last year everyone's struggling and I think a little self-compassion is due for all of us with that said, um, I'm going to jump into this interview. I hope you guys have a great day, and thanks as always for listening and just being along for the ride. Enjoy. Hello. Hey. Hey. Welcome. Wait, are we live? No. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, no. <laughs> I just wanted to sound like professional. I, I was terrified. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, it. hold on. <laughs> Oh, I didn't tell you this was going to be a live recording. Oops, my bad. (laughs) It's all good. I forgive you. (laughs) Oh, thank God. Um, I am good. Thanks for asking. You you want to know what I've been doing for the last hour? What have you been doing? I've been watching YouTube walkthroughs of Oregon Trail. Really? Yeah. It's been a while since I've heard that. Same. I don't know what it is, but the last few weeks I've been just deep diving into like childhood nostalgia like yeah. specifically old PC computer games. Okay. It's been a wild ride. <laughs> I, I, I mean, wait, it. well, how old are you? 24. Okay, so you might be a little t- too young for this. I'm four years older than you. But do you remember when um, they were giving out computer games in cereal boxes? Yes, I do. You do? Yeah, I remember getting one and not having a computer. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's a great segue, I know, (laughs) into what we're going to talk about. Um, Well, okay, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Wait, are we on now? I'm recording (laughs) this. Do you not know how this works? (laughs) I'm just just kidding with you. No, I'm recording this whole time. It's later on, I edit it. and (laughs) You can leave all of it in. It doesn't matter. It's up to you. (laughs) But yeah, so just, t- um, what's your name? Where are you from? Um, I yeah. guess you already said how old you are, but uh, what you do, whatever you want to let the listeners know. I don't sure, know yeah. I'm uh, Javon. I go by Jav most of the time. Well, anybody on the West Coast will call me Jav. Anybody on the East Coast will call me Javon. I didn't get that nickname until I moved, so either way. I uh, am a realtor. I don't think that has anything to do with anything, but that's what I or do for it? work. Maybe. I guess we'll see. And then I am a podcaster. I, I can't do that full time because not enough people like me just yet. <laughs> well, after and, this, uh, who knows? Yeah, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm in Arizona. I'm originally from Georgia, and I lived in Michigan. We'll get into all that. It's funny because I also grew up on the East Coast and I'm now on the West Coast. I'm curious to see like what big differences you've noticed now yeah. that you've seen both both sides. Definitely culture shock. Um, Georgia to Michigan was a culture shock because you have like the Southern hospitality and then you move into the Midwest and they're just like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my fucking God. I love that meme so much. I am guilty of... I, I, I ope. I'm an ope. I do it all the time. 
it, it rubs crazy. off on you so quick. And then before you yeah. know it, you're like in the grocery store and you walk by somebody and you braise their shoulder and they're like, oh, and then <laughs> I mean, Oop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> excuse me. Um, and then from the from the east side of the United States to the west side of the United States, the difference in honestly races that you see in Georgia is like surrounded by a bunch of black people and some white people. And then moving to Michigan was like mostly white people and some Mexican people. And then moving west was like Mexican, Asian, Indian, everything under the sun. You're like, whoa, yeah. you guys are more than just on TV. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of cool. Yeah. What have yeah. you seen the differences from east to west? Well, I also lived in Texas and Oklahoma for a little bit Texas. as well. Yeah. So uh, racial differences for sure. Although being in the military world, you know, I had seen a lot of races like growing up that, that was kind of normalized for me. And then, yeah, but yeah, like on the East Coast, it was definitely pretty whitewashed. And out here, it's interesting. A lot of, a lot of Asians out here in Seattle, we have a, a really vibrant international district. I don't, have you been to Seattle? I have not. It's on my bucket list. Is Oregon the one without sales tax or is that Washington? Uh, I don't fucking know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> How much is a McChicken? Is a McChicken $1 or $1.06? I, uh, I don't go to McDonald's. <laughs> well, neither do I, but that's that's the best way to like gauge if you have sales tax or not. Well, now I kind of want to do some research for you. I feel underprepared. <laughs> You're good. Um. Uh, wow. Where are we? Okay. So... You're now in Arizona. Yes. How long have you been there? I got here in August of 2015. Okay. So that's been a hot minute. Almost six years now. Yeah. And what, what's something. your verdict? Do you think you'll you'll stay there for a while? You know, I go back and forth. Half of me is like, I'm going to be in Arizona forever. This is perfect. And then the other half of me goes through summer and it's like, nah, I think I'm going to move. <laughs> So I think yeah. it just depends, you know, I never know where I'm going to end up. So I just kind of end up places and think I'm going to stay there and then I don't. So Yeah. Where's your family from originally? Georgia and Michigan and Illinois. Oh, wow. So okay. that's like the the main hubs of my fam, Atlanta, Kankakee, Illinois, and then uh, all throughout Michigan and Ohio. Are you close to your family or uh not really i'm super close to my little sister that's like my my best friend and then my stepdad super close with him on and off with mom um and the rest of the family is kind of like on a need to know basis and my grandma's like numero uno that's my homie <laughs> <laughs> she hates pictures she hates like if she knows she's being recorded she like shuts down like pulls her wig over her face <laughs> oh my god <laughs> She hates um, it. I guess diving right into the mental health topic, um, yeah. you said you have kind of a tumultuous family history with mental health. Do you kind of want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Like, how was it growing up? Yeah. So we grew up um, pretty poor. You know, it's not something that I knew what it was when I was going through it. I just kind of thought it was the normal life for everybody. Yeah. I guess that's the easiest way to say it. We moved a lot and I didn't know what it was for. I kind of just thought we liked to move. And I think that that's what carried on into my adulthood where I just want to move all the time. Um, that's why I say I don't know where I'm going to be is because sometimes I just feel like I, I want to up and move. And that's because we did that a lot. And it wasn't until I got older that I knew we were getting evicted from places, you know, mom has a bad rep somewhere like don't really know why we're moving from place to place but we were granted it's not like we moved every three months but um it was like a few years here a few years there from georgia to michigan to ohio back to georgia um uh, back to michigan change. yeah like, so when some people tell me they've lived someplace their whole lives it just blows my mind it does like, it's like whoa what would that be like <laughs> you've never That's been a lot around? of changes for a kid to go through it is so we never really anchored down anywhere. So whenever somebody asks where I'm from, I'm like Michigan, or I'm like, well, Georgia, technically, like I don't really know where to say. And there are like places that I've lived that I don't even remember living. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently we live there. So yeah, tons of moving. The thing with mental health and growing up the way that I did is that not we're not educated on it. And I don't know if I can attribute that to the black community or if I can contribute it to uh, lower wealth classes so to speak, 
but you don't really learn about depression or anxiety or trauma and how when you go through that, it changes you and why you act the way that you act. You don't really learn any of that. Um, so I didn't really understand counseling or therapy, medicine, any of that. It was just the idea of this is who I am. If you don't like it, then you can kind of get over it. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of trauma there that I didn't deal with. In fact, there's probably a lot of it that I still haven't dealt with. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, like, that's a mood. I, I feel like we're, everyone's dealing with stuff their whole lives until we mm -hmm. die. Like, that's just life, right? It sounds like you're, you're starting to educate yourself more on it now. And you're Definitely. Tons of therapy. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. I'm glad. Are, are you currently in therapy? Yeah. So I'm doing uh, remote therapy through BetterHelp. Started it during COVID. And I was like, I don't want to go meet with some stranger in person yet. <laughs> yeah. I feel like BetterHelp has just been thriving during this time. Oh, for sure. And I only heard about it through podcasts being sponsored yeah. by it. <laughs> and then finally, I was like, you get one month. I think it was half off or one month free or something. I was like, let's do it. Nice. And so just kind of been rolling with that. And I just noticed I'm being super vague. So let's jump straight into this, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think most of the trauma that I've gone through has been due to death in family. It seems that every year or so since 2012 has been, has had a significant death in it. And I think that that is what's going to play a role in a lot of it. And then the other half of it is going to be the behavior from my mom growing up. So there are two sides of it. Um, so as I've already said, I have a stepdad. Yeah. My stepdad's not the typical stepdad where you're old enough to know the difference. Um, I think he married my mom about nine months after I was born. Oh, wow. So, so he's basically, he's kind of, he's my dad. dad. He's your dad. Yeah. yeah. The only time I even think of calling him stepdad is when somebody sees a picture of us because he's white and they're like i'm like yeah that's my dad and then they go what <laughs> <laughs> so like all my life when he like took me anywhere people are like did you kidnap that little black kid or like guess he oh adopted <laughs> so and me i didn't know the difference right so yeah me and all my siblings were different shades different colors and all that um and there are eight of us I was going to ask, how many siblings do you have? Eight. I think there are eight of us. You have one and more than I do. Nice. I am the oldest of seven. I am the second youngest. So we'll start with, with my mom. So my mom does not admit that she has a problem with addiction, but she did and always has, at least since I can remember. Um, she would disappear into God knows where. So there'd be days, weeks that she wasn't around and my stepdad and my dad was there taking care of us. And my oldest sister has autism, had autism, um, low functioning, nonverbal. So she would have seizures a lot. And so there would always have to be somebody there with her. She could never be home alone. And I know that my family used that as an excuse as to why we never went on family trips or spring breaks or anything like that because somebody had to be there with her. Um, so my mom would be gone in and out of the house, out for a week, a few weeks, never really knew where she was. Then she'd come back and it would always be as if nothing had ever happened. So she would just come in, hey everybody, like fall asleep on the couch, like everything was normal. And I didn't realize how much that behavior would come to affect me until much, much, much later. And it wasn't until I was older that I started to realize that this was affecting me in a negative way because my mom and dad hated each other. And it was kind of a brainwash in my family to get everybody else to hate him too. This is your birth dad? No, my, my or biological dad. Sorry. Oh, okay. Your stepdad. I'm yeah, sorry. So I don't. I don't know my biological dad, so whenever okay. I say dad, I'll never, I'll never speak of him as dad because I don't know who he is at okay, all. Okay, cool. Yeah, I never met him or anything like that. So for all intents and purposes, when I say dad, it's going to be my stepdad. Cool. So they hated each other, and there was kind of this rivalry between my mom's kids and my dad's kids. And I know them both as mom and dad, but everybody else knows their dad 
and everybody else knows their mom. So I only know my mom and my stepdad. So I'm in this weird spot where my dad is taking care of me most of my life, but my mom is also my biological mother. And so there's this rivalry between my dad's kids and my mom's kids. And I'm literally right in the middle, me and my little sister are, because we both see our dad as dad and we both see our mom as mom. And they're the two that hate each other. And we all live in the same house. (laughs) There's this moment that I remember where my dad just couldn't take it anymore and he was going to leave and he was driving around the neighborhood trying to find me telling me bye. And so it was going to be my little sister would go with him because that's his biological daughter and my stepsister would also go with him and I would be staying in Georgia with two sisters and a brother. I knew that I couldn't leave with him because my biological mother was still here. Yeah. I just thought that that's where I would have to stay. Um, And he was leaving. He was going to drive to Michigan. And I remember him telling me, I'm leaving. It's not because of you. He was very affirmative in it. Like, it's not your fault. I just have to go. And I remember saying, you can't leave me because you're my dad. If you leave me, then who's my dad? Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to be home? And I think that's when I realized that my mom was always gone. Because Mm -hmm. before, if mom was gone, dad was there. So if dad leaves, then what's going to happen here? And there were times like... like, What was that like to realize that? I think that was like my, oh crap, like, whoa. There's an actual divide in this family. And I don't think I realized that divide. I was used to the yelling and screaming, the holes in the walls. And my dad was, had a bad temper and my mom would always say that to us like, oh, he punches walls. Like he's, he's the angry one. And it wasn't until I got much older that I realized why he was so mad. And for as much as my mom put him through and don't get me wrong. I love my mom. I really do. As much as my mom put him through, he never laid a hand on her. Like no matter how mad he got, it was always, he'd hit a wall or go to his car or go outside. And that's something that I will always respect of him Mm -hmm. uh, because there are a lot of other men that when put in a situation like that, they would abuse their spouse and he didn't. And so that's something that she could never say. She could never say he hit me or he did this. She could always say he hit the wall or did something like that. And so back fast, fast forward back to that moment where he's leaving. Yeah. I'm standing there like crying on the street, like, (laughs) like, please don't leave. I remember saying he has to go and then he left. And I think maybe a few days later he came back and we tried to act like everything was normal again. And I needed my little sister. Like she's my, my go-to because we're all so far apart. So almost everybody's four years apart from each other. So I have an older brother named Jay. At this point, I only know I have one older brother. And he's eight years older than me. I have an older sister named Shannon, who's four years older than me. Older sister named Charday, who's 10 years older than me. Older sister named Asia, who's about nine years older than me. So the way that these ages work out is that Asia is my dad's daughter. Charday is my mom's daughter. Jay and Shannon are my mom's daughter. My mom's daughter and yeah. son. And there's AJ, who's my dad's son, but he doesn't live in Georgia. So gotcha. I know him at this point, but not really. And I'm my little sister, Madison. And so there's, yeah, it is. And me and my little sister are still four years apart, but we grew up together. Whereas all of our older siblings were already teenagers, Yeah. you know, when we were old enough to really understand anything. So we don't get along. We don't really vibe in each other's circles by any means. We never go to school together or anything like that. So we continue this, this lifestyle where we're kind of feuding all the time. And me and Madison are kind of stuck in the middle because we're the only two in the house that understand what our dad has done for us. All of our other siblings have this weird attachment to their fathers who don't do anything for them. But since they know them, they look at my dad like a stepdad rather than the one who's literally watching them all the time. <laughs> oh my God, that's so much tension. And how yeah, old so are you at the time? At this point, I'm, this is, I have to be eight or nine. That's a lot for a little kid to go through 
for to, yeah. for a little kid to like handle. And it, a lot of it is not even understanding why we're all mad at each other, and why. In my head, I'm such a kid that I'm like, why do we have to choose sides? Why can't you love my dad and love your dad and love mom? And they would always say, well, he's not your dad. But to me, he is. Yeah. So, like you're confusing me because my biological father, I don't know him. And you're asking me to not love this man as my dad because he's not technically Right. Like an eight-year-old's not going to care about that. Like he's your dad. He's in your (laughs) life. Like that's your dad. Exactly. It's like, why would I I have nobody else? Oh man. Yeah. That must've been confusing. Yeah. It it was very confusing, but in my heart, I always knew that's my dad. And regardless of whatever brainwash my siblings try to put on me, there's nobody else who's my dad and that's my dad. And that's just going to be it. Okay. So when he came back, did he stay? Yeah. Okay. So from there on, he's always been there. So everything went back to what we call normal. But were, were there more incidents with your mom as the years passed? Yeah. I mean, nonstop. Yeah. It, that never stopped. To this day, it has not stopped where she's okay. gone and she's there, she's gone, she's there. So we go a few more years and then my grandpa has terminal cancer. They say he's going to die in six months. This is 2012 because I'm going into sixth grade. So we moved to Michigan into my grandma's house. And uh, how many times did you change schools? I had to go to at least two elementary, at least three elementary schools. um, And then I only went to one middle school and one high school because when we moved to Michigan, we stayed there. Okay. So that was the most stable place, which is why I say I'm from Michigan, even though I'm from Georgia. And everybody asks me why I don't have an accent. And that's a whole other story that we'll get to. (laughs) So what kind of support did you have through the schools growing up, if any? None until middle school. So when we moved to Michigan, we lived with my grandma, and I got close with a counselor named Mr. Searing, and he kind of helped me understand, like, hey, you know, I'm somebody who's here for you that's not in your family. And I didn't really understand that concept, so I kind of took that for granted. But he would become an important part of my life because he ended up transferring to the high school that I went to when I went to high school. So I still had him as a counselor from sixth grade all the way till senior year. So that was really cool. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Mr. Searing. I know. What a a beast. What a beast. That's a good good guy right there. And I, I ended up getting a ton of mentors in high school. And that's where really everything started to shift. Uh, but middle school, I was a freaking mess. So coming from Georgia, we lived in the hood, you know, brothers in a gang. He'll never say he taught me the gang way, but being around him, looking up to him because he's my brother, I saw yeah. everything that he was in, involved in and engaged in things when he wasn't around. So moving to Michigan, my assumption is we're going to live there till my grandpa dies and then we're going to move back to Georgia where I belong. That's not what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Did you miss Georgia? I did. I did a lot because Georgia at that point was really all I knew. That's all I really understood was Georgia. And that was the place where I felt was home. And I was a Georgia boy. But now we're in Michigan. And it gets cold. There's winter. And it sucks. Sums it up pretty well. (laughs) Yeah. Snow sucks. (laughs) Like, that's why we Well, you're in Arizona now, so. (laughs) Yeah. Does it snow in Seattle? (laughs) Only, like, twice a year. Okay, so that's not too bad. Yeah. But in Michigan, it snows all winter long. And I remember that being the first thing that I hated. <laughs> it's like, this sucks. Because if it snows in Georgia, the whole state shuts down. Oh, yeah. It's, it's done. In Michigan, they're like, yeah, walk through the snow and go to school. So your grandpa um, died and you stayed in Michigan. So he ends up living for another almost two years, two and a half years. He passes away in 2013. Okay. And we moved there in 2011, 2012-ish. So that's like, whoa, is my grandpa dying? Is he not dying? What's going on? But when we moved there, right after we moved to Georgia, maybe a year later, my aunt dies. And my aunt lived in Georgia, and we were really close. We'd always go over there and hang out. And so she passes away about a year after we moved from Georgia. And then I think I have my first moment of real trauma of I missed out on the last year or so with her Mm. because we had to move 
because my grandpa was dying. And that was my first real experience with death. So as I'm waiting for somebody else to die, another close person to me dies. That's such a conflict in your mind. Like, did you feel torn? I did. Because part of me is like, I was closer with my aunt. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's the way a teenager thinks. Like, why am I here when I should be there? I didn't choose to move to Michigan. I didn't want to move to Michigan. But we also didn't move just because my grandpa was dying. I'm pretty sure we were evicted and... I just didn't know. I didn't know anything at that point. Because if we had money, why didn't we move into a house? Well, no one tells you things when you're that age. And it's hard because you don't have any control or any knowledge, but you're just having to go along with everything. Mm -hmm. Why are the five of us or six of us moving in with my grandma? (laughs) None of it really added up. And where I knew something was off was when, so 2012, my aunt dies. I don't go to her funeral. And then 2013, my grandpa dies. We grow closer over these few years. I'm with him as he's slowly passing away from cancer. He's delusional where he's at home to die. Like they put him in a bed at home so that he could pass away there. And he's delusional. He's telling me stories about when he was a kid as if I was there. He doesn't know who I am. Well, he knows who I am. He calls me by my name, but he thinks that I was there when he was a kid, which statistically is impossible because <laughs> he's my grandpa. <laughs> Like he's telling Did me you about just kind of like go along with that? <laughs> yeah, because I'm a teenager now. So I'm like, I'll go with it. Yeah. I get you. And all this time I'd been using music as an escape. And I started writing music, creating music, making music. And it wasn't till much later that I realized music wasn't really helping. Even though it got my mind off of stuff, it didn't help me deal with trauma. But I thought that it did because I didn't know what trauma was. I was like, music makes me feel better. So... As long as I feel better, everything's okay. (laughs) Oh, naive kids. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he passes away in 2013. And I think this is the same year my mom decides to go into the army. What? She's like 40 and she decides to go into the army. Wait, I'm I'm confused. Like, well, you should be. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. She just decides she's going to go to the army. Was she still using at that point? I think so. I but don't. Aren't they very strict about? Like, I she... tried to join the Air Force in high school, and they wouldn't let me because I was on antidepressants. She must like, have stopped at some point. I don't know. It's. I mean, the army's a lot different. But... Yeah, but it, for I don't know what she was doing. It could have just been alcohol. Okay. I say just been, but well, yeah, alcohol it's, it's not a just thing. alcohol. Right. Yeah. The society doesn't see it as such all the time exactly but we could do a whole podcast on that too but seriously this is a slight detour but have you gone and talked to her about this later as an adult because you said she's still using to this day right yeah we've tried to have conversations over the span of years but the issue is that my mom still sees things through rose colored glasses she still says oh it wasn't that bad life wasn't that bad everything was good we had Christmas. I was like, no, we didn't. She has these memories of things that never happened. And me and my little sister just laugh it off. But she, she just looks at the past as if everything was good and it wasn't. Yeah. Which is what makes it hard to have those types of conversations because it always escalates into an argument of did this happen or did it not happen? I'm like, I have witnesses. Oh God, I have siblings. I'm, <laughs> I'm very familiar. <laughs> yeah. I'll just say that. Uh, okay, so she's trying to join the Air Force. Was this 2013? So she sorry, joins the I'm Army. Sorry, I'm so sorry. The ar- You're okay. Army. She joins she the Army? Yep, she joins the Army. Oh, okay. okay. She leaves her basic training. I mean, out of nowhere. What? This is just blowing know. my mind. So are you I staying don't... with your dad at that point? Is he just staying home to watch We're still with my grandpa. We're still with my grandma's house. Oh, your house. grandpa. Okay. My grandma's house. So we're still at my grandma's house. My mom goes into the Army. And we are all like, what? just happened <laughs> so she goes she flies out to basic training is there for what two months three months holy shit <laughs> she goes to the advanced training and she gets injured her she her, her knee gives out because she's old she's not old but she's she's old to be Relatively. going into the army yeah yeah in context she's old so she gets honorably discharged as a disabled veteran and what? goes back home <laughs> oh my god and this 
This is just blowing my mind. Yep, this is all one year. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> and so she comes home and she buys a house or she rents a house and then we all move to the opposite side of town. And this okay. is where the fun begins. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. <gasps> it's a mess. <laughs> so, uh my mom tells me I have a brother that I don't know about. Wait, wait, okay, back up. We Tying it back to mental health, like, what was going through your mind during all this? Like, how are you feeling? Were you angry? Were you, like... I want to numb myself. Okay. All I want is numbness, and that's how I ended up drinking a lot. That's how I ended up smoking weed probably twice a day okay. for about a year and a half, two years, is because I want numbness. I want all this family drama to go away. Like, I don't want to think about my aunt dying. I don't want to think about my grandpa dying. All I want is to feel like... A state of balance, and I think the only thing that's going to take away stress is to listen to music, smoke weed, drink, and rinse and repeat. Yeah. So that, that's really where I'm at at this point, and I'm, I don't know if I'm acting out to get attention. I mean, also, you're, you're a kid. You yeah, know? I'm and, just a dumb kid. Okay, so, so now your mom tells you you have a, a secret brother. Yep. And okay. I know that all of this sounds so random, but this is literally just the way that I grew up. Oh, yeah. So my mom says, I I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So my mom drops a bomb on me that I have a brother that I don't know about. A biological brother that I don't know about, that none of us know about. So apparently when he was born, my mom didn't think that she could take care of another kid. So this was a year, year after my brother was born. My other brother was born. So he, this new brother is a year younger than my other brother. Okay. Where, where, where does he fall in the birth order? So he is middle-ish, third. Older. He's, two, he's two siblings above me. Okay. So, so, so relatively mom, close in age. Yeah, he's... Relatively. Well, he's seven years older than me. Okay. So I'm like, what? <laughs> I have a what? I have, a, I have another older brother? <laughs> She's like, yep. And it's just silent. Like we're in legitimate shock because my mom has now had one, two, three more kids since giving him away for adoption. What's going through your head at that point? I didn't even think about the fact that she had more kids after. I was just confused as to how I have a singular sibling that I don't know. Yeah. Like where... How have we not been told about this mysterious child ever? In my head, I'm like, it's you're 14 years too late. But imagine my brother who's like, I'm 21. Or my sister who's like, I'm 19. How, how do I not know I have another brother? And she says, he's flying out to meet all of oh. you. And I'm like, oh, what? buddy, I know. <laughs> what the heck is going on? Oh, my goodness. So he flies out and he walks into the house and he is immediately recognizable as my brother. Wow. I mean, carbon copy of my mom. This is what's weird. Me and him have the same personality, even though we grew up in two different states. That's wild. And he fits right in with me and my mom. There's a, quiet calm side and then there's a loud obnoxious side i'm on the loud obnoxious side he's on the loud obnoxious side (laughs) and we're trying to catch up with each other and like fill each other in on who we are who you are and at this point i didn't get to understand his hurt of being adopted away Hmm. but there's a lot that comes with that and a lot that i wanted to learn of what it felt like to be adopted out of a family because they didn't think they could take care of you while they proceed to have more kids. Can't imagine. But he was the cool brother. And he rode motorcycles. And he drank Jack Daniels. And I was like, I really like this guy. <laughs> He's a cool guy. And so, yeah, we have this brother that dropped on us. And then he flies back to Georgia. And we communicate through MySpace and Facebook. And we see each other every so often. And at this point, I am now going into high school. So all these bombs have been dropped on me up to this point. 
and I'm still trying to learn how to process them. You were talking to that um, counselor at this time, right? Mm -hmm. So the counselor wasn't counseling me on my life, but just on how to be better at school. Gotcha. Now, what this did for me is it put me on a track to want to become a doctor. So I started to get really good grades. I'd always been pretty good in school, but I started to get really good in school, like really focused in, even though as soon as I stepped out of the school, it was time to smoke. It was time to shut all that crap off and turn on this whole different life. And I really- Balance, right? Yeah, balance. In weird (laughs) ways, like being Hannah Montana. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Like I'm one person, one person in school, one person outside of school. And it didn't really make sense. I'm still trying to find myself and understand any of the stuff that's going on. And I really don't. I'm just leaning into escaping. Yeah, the numbness and distraction, right? Like school must have been a distraction. Yeah, and it worked. It really, really worked. Now, in the high school is where I started to learn about depression. Not learn about, experience it. I started to feel like this emptiness and I think numbing it wasn't working anymore and i obviously had already been trying to fill that void with alcohol and drugs yeah but i started to feel it even with those things and that's when it became problematic it has a way of bleeding through it does tricky like that and so i try to continue to ignore it and i did good of ignoring it for about a year and then sophomore year it bled through entirely to the point where there was nothing i could do to avoid it it's just every day felt like this cloudy rainy weather no matter what it was nothing i couldn't really enjoy anything everything just kind of felt blah so i asked a friend of mine who was on antidepressants if i could try his And I did, but the antidepressants that I took from him made me suicidal. Uh, Yeah, I feel like, well, yeah, obviously don't take your friend's drugs, but like those, (laughs) don't they take, don't those, they take like months to work anyway, or it's a very tricky process. It it depends on which one you're on, of course, but. um, You also probably shouldn't drink with them and smoke with them. Yeah. Yeah, and so the antidepressants made me feel suicidal because I was, like, hyping my body up with energy drinks, bringing it back down by smoking weed and drinking, and then also trying to balance it out with antidepressants. And my mind was, like, going insane. Yeah, that's no way to live. And so that year, I didn't know how to commit suicide in a way that I could make look like an accident. That was my Mm -hmm. big thing, is that I didn't want anybody to feel the blame or anybody to feel like they could have done something to prevent it because I didn't know what I needed. Um, And so I kept trying to figure out a way to make it happen I thought okay what if it overdose on pills and so I tried that but my friend walked into my house like within three minutes of me finding enough pills that I thought would work and by my friend I mean my brother I don't know why I said my friend my brother walked What's in your on friend? me yeah he's cool I guess yeah. uh, <laughs> he to this day doesn't know that he walked in and prevented my suicide on accident wow did anyone know had you talked to anyone about this no because none of us ever talked about mental health none of us ever talked about how we felt we just suck it up suck it up buttercup work hard you'll have success success brings money money brings happiness that's the thought process and so after that it kind of gave me a wake-up call i don't want to die but I also don't want to live. I have to find out a way to live in a way that I will be 
that I'll enjoy it. So it's a million dollar question right there. Yeah. So I press into the helping people thing. I press into wanting to be a doctor. I start getting really good grades in school and start going to church and being the church boy. And underneath it, it's all a veil that's going to reveal something deeper. I just don't know it. I'm just trying to trudge on, trudge on, trudge on. So in 11th grade, I finally realized that part of what I'm going through is my environment and I need to get out. And so in 11th grade, I move in with a friend um, named Warren and I live with him from the end of my junior year into my senior year. And there it's all good. I mean, I feel great. I'm in a house with loving, supporting people. I still go visit my family. They literally live two blocks away. <laughs> That's amazing that they took you in like that. Like, Yeah, it blew my mind. And I think it's because Warren was probably one of the first person I shared my my life details with. Mm. And I think he told his parents because his parents are the one that were like, hey, they took me on spring break with them because I had never gone on a spring break trip. And they said, if you ever need to leave, our house is open. And the last day of spring break, I went home and we had driven back up from North Carolina and I went into my house and I just immediately started grabbing my stuff. And I remember it was raining and I walked outside with my stuff right before the middle of the night. And my dad walked out and he said, where are you going? But he didn't say it in a way like, why are you leaving this late? Mm -hmm. But like he knew that I was not coming back. And I was like, I'm moving out and moving into a friend's house. And he said, okay, I understand. Oh my God. I'm getting so emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's really like the greatest. And he understood. And I left. Mm -hmm. He didn't tell my mom where I went, even though he knew where I was going. (laughs) And, uh, I finished out my senior year, did great got scholarships to go to all these schools and I was super excited and a lot of the schools were in state one was in Chicago and uh I went through that summer and I was like I got to get out of this state you know I could go to college for almost free here but I would still be stuck in this environment yeah and so I looked up a school in Arizona Grand Canyon University got enough money to get a plane ticket and moved went there and lived on campus and started my life as an adult. Wow, such a drastic change. Yeah, and adjusting was hard. Somehow worked it out. How are you doing through all this? Like, are you excited? Are you scared? Like, I'm super excited to be gone. I'm super scared on if this is going to work out. But I always thought, if it doesn't work out, I can just move back. You know? Yeah, that's true. Well, the worst thing that can happen is I fail and I have to move back to Michigan. As much of trauma as Michigan and growing up was, the real trauma starts at this point. <laughs> okay. Um, first year out, 2016, I had a mentor named Sarah Parker, who always helped me with all my music stuff and gave me a studio to be at and, you know, just loved me, you know, made sure that I was good, always cared for me. She ends up passing away suddenly in 2016 out of nowhere. Fuck. This is maybe nine months into me being in Arizona. And all I could think is, again, I'm in the wrong place when I should be somewhere else. Couldn't even fly back for the funeral because I felt selfish for leaving. And I also couldn't afford to. And so I just stayed. And then I get a job and get an apartment and I start making money to where I could fly home if I needed to. 2017, out of nowhere, my sister dies, the one with autism. Short day, she passes away completely randomly. And again, I'm in the wrong place. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong that I'm always in the wrong place at the wrong time? And 2018 comes. One of my really close friends, Ryan Smeagol, dies. And he had been battling cancer for a while. Fuck. And again, I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. 2019, my brother, who was the brother I'd met a few years ago, we had mm-hmm. grown very close at this point. 
suddenly gets into a motorcycle accident and dies. Fuck. And at this point, I, and this is all within this past year and a half, that I've been like, I don't know. I don't know. And my brother dying is what got me to go to therapy Mm. and go, it's time to confront all of this. Because if I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And so at this point, I'm working in a church and I am so toxic to myself and I feel so toxic to everything around me and I don't know what I believe and I don't know that I even want to live. I don't know anything. Understandable. And I'm like, I just have to go. I need to quit my job. I need to restart. I need to refresh my brain. I'm married now. I'm two years into marriage at this point. And I'm like, I don't know how to be a husband. I've never seen healthy relationships. I don't know. What if I have a kid? I don't know how to be a father. I mean, I'm probably would be a better father than I would be a husband because at least I've seen that happen. Um, and all this stuff is racing through my brain. And I'm like, I just want to leave. I'm just going to leave. I'm going to I'm going to change my name. I'm going <laughs> to move. I don't know. Like I, I'm I'm literally spiraling into like a crisis that I don't know how to get out of. And I'm just sitting there. I'm just sitting there in this spot from October when he passed until June. I'm just doing therapy and nothing else matters. And part of it's good, but I'm definitely shutting out everything around me. I'm like, I'm not focused on anything, but trying to figure out me. Cause if I don't figure out me soon, it's going to be too late. And I'm sitting in this and I'm flashing back to my sister, my aunt, my grandpa, my mentor, Ryan, and I'm starting to question every friendship I've ever had, every relationship I've ever had, and trying to figure out where things went wrong and where where I started and ended. Because I don't, mm. at a certain point, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know if I'm still under the veil of, am I actually an extrovert? Am I an introvert? Do I like to be on stage? Do I like to talk to people? Do I like people at all? Yeah. Or am I am I doing all this to be a better person? And am I faking it till I make it? Or did I fake it long enough to become it? Like, what, what am I? Who am it's I? a lot of heavy questions to ask yourself. Yeah. And so I guess there's no relief to this story because I'm still going <laughs> through it. <laughs> um, <sighs> but I'm, I'm still in the middle of trying to figure out what traumas made me the way I am and are they things that I can re reverse I'm still unlearning a lot of stuff and learning a lot of stuff about who I am and yeah just kind of in this limbo like right now I feel good like my depression's at a relatively all-time low well, okay knock on wood that be true knock <laughs> on wood I don't know where I am I'm definitely out of suicidal where I was good because my brother's thing really did it for me like whoo yeah well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing. Like, I, wow, I'm just blown away. And, and especially like, I think it's so important to talk about this when you're not quote unquote better, like yeah, you're still sure. in the thick of it. And most people are in the thick of it and will be in the thick mm -hmm. of it their whole, like, I personally believe mental health is something you, you deal with your whole life. You're never going to yeah. reach the end of the road, whatever that looks like. Um, we're just, it, life is just trying to be a better person, trying to understand ourselves a little bit more until we die. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I just really respect you for telling your story, uh, sharing this to people and just, um, you know, talking about it. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's hard. It is. Um, I do have a win though. Okay, yeah. We, we need one of those <laughs> after all here's that. A ha here's a happy moment. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's start it off sad and move it into happy. My brother passed away on a motorcycle. My brother loved motorcycles. It was his thing. So about nine months later, I enrolled into a class to learn how to ride a motorcycle. Because oh, yeah. the, after, the first few months after my brother passed, I would legitimately cry if I saw a motorcycle. And 
I was like, I need to get over this anxiety that I have every time that I see a motorcycle. And like my sister passed away from a seizure. So whenever I see a seizure on TV, it like, like freezes me up. And I was like, I can't really get over that because I can't like just go be around people with seizures, but I can learn how to ride a motorcycle. So I, I just scheduled a random class to learn how to ride a bike. And then I found out the day that I finished the school, it was like a three day crash course thing on how to yeah. ride a motorcycle that the day that I finished was also the same day that he passed Wow. Like, without even trying to line it up or anything. I just got chills. And I went and bought a Harley. Fuck yeah. In this past week, I've been riding it through the city and stuff, but I have anxiety about the highway because my brother obviously oh my crashed God. on the highway. This past week, I rode on the highway <laughs> on my Harley. Fuck yeah, snaps for you. And Sorry, like, I'm in... Yeah. <laughs> I'm in PHP program right now. We don't clap. We snap for people. So like, yeah. it's an automatic thing now. That's um, fine. I'm good with it. Did I, so. I ride motorcycles. Did I, I saw that. I saw that, it like, on Instagram. It's a huge part of my mental health journey. Uh, I don't currently have one. And actually, that's one of my big in incentives like to get better so I can get another one. But like, that's, mm -hmm. I understand like that. It's so powerful that you were able to do that for him. And like, Ah, oh, it makes me so yeah. happy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely amazing. the accomplishment of the year for me is is being on the bike. And it, I don't know, I think it ties me to him in some way. Oh, totally. And, uh, 100%. Never thought I'd be on a motorcycle. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. It's, but, uh, uh, oh my God, that, that makes me so happy. That's like the bonus twist I didn't see coming. So Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, nobody saw it coming. <laughs> They're like, I uh, bet you, I bet you stay away from those, don't you? I'm like, no, I'm freaking embracing this crap. Well, like, okay, we're going. there's something, there's something to be said about pursuing something dangerous in a healthy way, mm -hmm. like facing your fears and no, like proving to yourself that you can be in danger and be fine. Like you can be mm -hmm. resourceful, and I, I don't know. There's something to that. I think. I think there is, and. I, I don't know that it's something that you can really put into words until you do it. You know, Agreed. There, are, there are people that I think people are insane that go skydiving. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's a skydiver. Never, no way. I would never in a million years. Nope. I won't do it. Me but either. motorcycles, that's, you know, a more palatable form of danger for me, I guess. <laughs> and some people would say that it is safer to skydive. Oh, than yeah. Than to be on a motorcycle. And I can fathom getting on a motorcycle, I can't fathom jumping out of a plane. It's not natural. It's not it's natural. Not. Look, everyone has their thing. Everyone needs yeah. some healthy form of danger. But I think I, it's I just know. one of those things that you don't understand until you do it. Exactly. So. I'm so yeah. happy that you're doing that. <laughs> and um, you're, you're still in therapy? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, like, I think that's going to be a, a lifetime thing. So I want to, I know you're still in the thick of it and I don't yeah. want to put pressure on you to like have put an answer. Well, yeah, put, there's no pressure, but like, there's no pressure. Is there anything that you you've learned over the years or uh, like things you'd wished you could have told yourself when you were going yeah. through it? Yeah. I think that if I could go back, I would tell myself to grieve and to try to process things instead of running from them. Mm. It's a cliche thing to say, you know, think about things or process things. But when you legitimately run from your issues and you run from your problems and you run from your pain, all it does is store. It just stores up and then you lash out in ways that I think are behavioral, emotional, physical. Luckily, I never like beat up killed somebody but <laughs> um i think that grief manifests itself if you don't deal with it 100 percent. well that's the I thing was... you do process it in one way or another it's either it either comes out in a healthy way or it comes out in a not so healthy way is it but it's yeah. gonna come out yeah i think i was too scared to cry too too scared to vent in those things and i think that if i would have done those things somebody could have helped me earlier and maybe i could have not gone through a lot. I mean, there are some things that wouldn't have changed, yeah. but I think that the way I reacted to life in general 
could have gone in a better trajectory than it did if I had gone back and grieved and cried more. <laughs> you know, that's that's the past. You live and you learn, and you're yeah. you're on an upward trajectory now, or at least yeah, uh... to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Doge going to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh my God. Well, okay. So tell me about your podcast now and yeah. like how get that kind of thing. I mean, uh, is there anything else you wanted to say about mental health stuff or? I think if I can encourage anybody who's listening to dig deep into what you do, dig deep into realizing who you are because there are probably pieces of you that you don't like and there are probably pieces of you that need help that you don't realize need help i think that casual things can turn into addictions pretty quickly and mm. you'll never know the difference until it's too late most of the time and it's important to either make yourself recognize it or allow other people to speak into your life and recognize it for you and for you to actually listen. Yeah. Fuck. I, I feel like I needed that. I mean, <laughs> that's powerful. <Well>, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. All right. Um, tell me about your podcast now and where yeah. to find you. My podcast is... <laughs> We brand it as your second favorite podcast. It's called uh, Decent Takes. <laughs> we don't aim to be your number one podcast. I don't think anybody should consume this content as their primary source of anything. <laughs> okay, okay. I feel like... No, you... <laughs> this is serious. This is... <laughs> I'm dead serious. Okay. My podcast is specifically designed to be your second favorite. You should have a favorite podcast and then mine should be right under it and then every other show you listen to. This is why. It's it's a pick me up. It's Okay. It's random. It's all about everything that's going on in the world and a decent take on it. So our show's called Decent Takes. It's literally just decent takes on life and what we think about stuff from a non-celebrity point of view. All right. Yeah, I I did start listening to your most recent one actually uh today this evening I was listening to that. <laughs> I, I know random. how strongly you feel about Burger King. Uh, oh, I hate Burger King. Oh, my God. But, okay, but listen, so you made the mistake of getting nuggets at Burger King. They were disgusting. Why like would you on... get nuggets at Burger King? Because they're only $1.49. Okay, but th that's the reason you don't get them. It's Wait, Burger you... King. It's not Nugget King. <laughs> do you eat there? Don't tell me you like it. No, but okay. I would never... <laughs> No, but as a kid, I went there, but I didn't get the fucking nuggets. I got the burger because it's Burger King and it was I decent. Know. But I wanted, I wanted to know how you could sell 10 nuggets for 149. I had to find out. Well, then that's your, out. that's, you were asking for it. <laughs> I did. I did ask for it and I, it definitely delivered something that I was not ready for. Well, um, so Pain. you can look up decent takes to hear your takes on Burger King and other important yeah. issues. Yeah. For real, like you, you talk about. I love that you talk about a good range of issues. Like you talk about silly stuff like that, but you talk about important stuff yeah, too. Yeah, we we do cover some real stuff too. Um, a lot of things we talk about are going to be basically anything that's going on in mainstream media. So, like this week, we talked about the the racism in the royal family. We talked about the reason why we even brought up Burger King is because they use sexism as a joke, and I had some very strong women in my life that I don't play that. So definitely have some conversations about that and uh equality. Yeah, Burger King. No like one that. go to Burger King. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. anything you gain from this, but <laughs> Yeah, done. Get out of here. So yeah, we do we do, <laughs> do some deep dives on some real topics and stuff as as nice. the episode progresses. Um where can you find that? Anywhere you listen to podcasts and then we started doing video 4 weeks ago on YouTube. Nice. So, just look up decent takes. You'll find decent it. Takes. And then Twitter's at Decent Takes Show, and then Instagram is just at Decent Takes. Awesome. And I'm All banned right. from following people right now, so I can't follow anybody. Well, now I have to ask why. I follow too many people at once. Oh, okay. And Twitter well, banned us. But people can. Oh, okay. They can. They can find us, but we can't follow people back until twitter unbans okay, us okay so days. right now go follow decent takes on twitter it's that's an order <laughs> we will follow back at some point yes oh my god 
Thank you so much. Of course. This I love great. this show. Oh, thank you. Can I, I just brag I love... on you real quick? Oh, fuck. I guess. This was the first show I've ever wanted to guest on. I found it on Reddit. And I was like, huh. Pickles and vodka. And everybody I tell about it, because I've just been talking about this all week long <laughs> since we talked on the phone, the intro call, yeah. has been like, I feel like I've heard that before. I feel like I've heard that before. And I'm like, what? okay, then go listen to Like, literally everybody I tell about it said that they think that they've heard of this before. It's insane. Well, that's news to me. <laughs> so, and I had listened to, um, the first episode I listened to wasn't a regular episode. It was the audio journal. I was like, whoa. I'm like walking through this in real time and it was that that was like holy crap i don't have to be out of this to speak on it every time i hear about mental health it's always how i got out of it oh i did this oh i did that and i'm like i don't need that i needed to listen to somebody who's in it and it helps me process so i love your show i love your vision of all this it's so cool like people do need to talk about it in the middle of it that's how you get out of it but yeah uh, thank you so like i'm gonna cry that that means so much and (laughs) yeah i love um, this show and yeah thank you for contributing this is this is amazing and i really love what you had to say and i love spending this saturday night talking to you yeah it's been great i know talking about trauma and burger a lot of trauma sad stuff yeah Uh, well, you have a good night. I'll let you go now. Uh, thank you. And you too. thank you so much. We'll chat again soon. Let me know if you yes. want to jump on some some decent takes. Oh, you know I will. I have a lot <laughs> okay. to say about um, fast food chains. <laughs> okay, we'll bring you on. I'll bring you on soon. All right, cool. All right, good night, All right, Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pickles and Vodka. If you could relate to anything we talked about, you can follow the podcast at Pickles and Vodka Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook by typing in Pickles and Vodka Podcast. You can also email me at Pickles and Vodka Podcast at gmail.com if you have any stories or if you just want to say hi. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Stay safe.